It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, the first edition of Around the Locker Room. At least, I think that's what we're going to be calling still, it. Uh, still a work in progress with the name. If you have a good idea for a name. Yeah, we're down for it. Yeah, tweet us. At Go Birds Pod, at LH Shore Parks, at John Barchard. We are here for, kind of this is the, the B side of the post game because, you know, me and James react to it. And we forget a lot of stuff most of the time because the adrenaline's pumping, especially mm-hmm. after oh, last I, night. I, I saw the video. Ooh, man, yeah. that was fun. Man, yeah. it was, in the stadium, it was wild, too. Like, it, you know, the, the beginning of the game, they're warming up. It was wild. And you have the rain. It died down a little. But by the time it got to halftime, that, that place was insane. It was rocking. And uh, it's uh, the, the things that stuck out to me, at least in, in quote-wise, you know, you, you hear things like Ronald Darby knew exactly when to turn around because the crowd was helping him out. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's in the air. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So uh, what were your kind of bigger takeaways from from this game? I saw that you mentioned, and that's something we really didn't touch on in the postgame show, the linebacking core was pretty much outstanding last night. They were incredibly good. So, you know, live, uh, you know, you watch it, and as you mentioned, it was such an emotional game. Sometimes it's hard to really focus on the X and O's, especially from the press box. Like, we have TVs in there, but, and I think this is always funny on Twitter when I'll tweet something and people who have the advantage of watching it on like a 60-inch flat screen at home, they're like, oh, well, fuck, fuck you, that's not what it said, blah, blah, <laughs> right? But like, live, I thought the linebackers played well. Rewatching the tape, they played really well. And it's funny because, you know, going into training camp, they were viewed as a weak spot, right? I mean, when they cut Kendricks, there was questions about the depth. You knew uh, Hicks coming back from the who's injury. Who's that? I don't remember. Michael Kendricks. It doesn't, it's not ringing a bell. I think the feds I might know who oh, he okay. is. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, Nigel Bradham suspended week one. So you go into this Falcons game thinking, all right, well, you're going to have Hicks, but he hasn't played in a while. And then, you know, Nate Geary and Camus Gruger Hill were, were question marks. They all played outstanding last night. I mean, that play Camus made on the fourth down mm. at the goal line at the beginning, shedding two blockers, which for a guy that's undersized, I mean, a former college safety, to shed two blockers, get to the sideline, make a really good open field tackle, that was an incredible play by him. And really, I mean, 
you know, for as ugly as that game was last night, it had the potential to get out of control early. They they were down, I think they got to the one-yard line, they were down there again. Could have easily been 14 nothing early on. That play by Camus really uh, kind of kept things in control. Along with the most surprising thing out of this, after re-watching everything too a second time, is going, man, Nate yoked Gary I know. was coming out really strong, started the game, which was, uh, you know, the mystery was solved there and uh, for game one. That right. looked pretty obvious, and uh, I wonder what uh, is going to transpire now that you have uh, Nigel and all those guys coming back. But Nate looked like a linebacker for the first time. It surprised me because, you know, I've been, like, saying whatever the whole entire offseason. Yeah. He'll be in there, it'll be fine or whatever. But he really looked apart last and, night. And he only finished with one tackle, which to me is unbelievable because when i watching it live and then watching it again, on a Friday morning. I keep saying it's Monday because it feels like it, really does it, should feel start, like it. it should have started on a Sunday, but no, we are on a Friday. Rewatching it, he was all over the place. I mean, he had that one tip pass that he almost intercepted. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Doug Peterson talked at the Novacare Complex today, and when he was asked after rewatching what he noticed, the first thing he said was linebackers, too. And I think that's just because, you know, probably expectations a little bit. Maybe he wasn't expecting them to jump out on the tape, but man, like, we didn't even talked about Jordan Hicks yet, and he was right. a monster. He had uh, – well, well, let me ask you this. What did you think of that call in the end zone on him at the end of the game? Oh, was, I mean, you could go either way with it, honestly, but it was so light and ticky-tack. Yes. I was so shocked that they threw the flag there. Not shocked that that ref crew threw the flag there, but uh, – I thought that immediately I was going, well, here comes the touchdown immediately. Yeah, when I when I saw it this morning again, uh, he barely touched it. Yeah, it was, but, it was I mean, barely it, even a push-off. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things where I guess by the letter of the law, yes. And that's what Doug said this morning, um, that when you look at I think it was 26 flags, the only one he felt was a poor flag was the uh, – the offsetting penalties on that long pump by Cameron Johnson that made the made him repunt it. But outside of that, he thought all the the flags, and of course you're not going to rip the refs too much up at the podium, but he said he thought all the flags were, were pretty fair and that this Eagles team has to clean it up. And you look at what they did in preseason, they had issues with flags too. And uh, you know, I, I don't know off the top of my head where they were last year in flags overall in the league, but I think they were fairly, they were they were penalized. I thought that was an issue for them Especially at times offensively last year. too, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, the flags I mean, on on Hicks obviously gives him an extra down. But in general, I thought Hicks showed how he's going to take this defense to the next level. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's something we touched on in the preview show and going into it. And then, you know, the obvious thing that's been sticking out all morning, and we've been talking about Fletcher Cox, and we've been talking about Ronald Darby. But honestly, I think what we missed yesterday, Chris Long had one of his best games of his career. I mean, he yeah. was all over the place um, even that flag with, uh, you know, the roughing the passer. I think the broadcast said it was the third time in his career that he'd ever been called for roughing the passer. Yeah. But Chris Long last night, I mean, that's um, – you always kind of wait and see, like, oh, man, is that is this the next year that it kind of falls off or he looks exactly the same, nothing's changed. The conditioning for all these guys looked really well, too, which I think something Doug mentioned today. And, you know, when the Eagles redid Chris Long's deal to make sure that he came back – I think that was kind of used as viewed as like, all right, well, they want to have depth, and also he's a good locker room guy. But I think what we saw last night was they just know he's still an extremely good defensive end. And obviously, Fletcher Cox deserves some of the credit for the success Long had last night. I mean, he just blew the pocket up time and time again right up the middle, forcing Ryan to, to either roll or basically just cower over in the in the huddle and wait for someone to tackle him. But, yeah, no, Long was all over the place, um, which is needed because I didn't think Brandon Graham had an especially great game last night. But still for him, and that's something we uh, – uh, he still played pretty well for just yeah. coming off of 
Yeah. You know, the injury and, and no preseason, no real snaps either. But, uh, you know, made two 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 big plays that I think st- uh, stuck out. And, uh, yeah, I didn't see much else out of Brandon. It wasn't uh, great night. against the run early on. No one, no one really was, though. I mean, that's one thing Doug pointed out this morning was uh, he was talking about Sidney Jones. And there was a play early on where the Falcons kind of pitched it to the right side. And uh, Sidney just like way overshot the gap and uh, and missed the tackle and turned into a long run. Um, I think in general it took the Eagles' defense a little bit to kind of warm up, even though they only ended up giving what six half six points at the first yes. half, um, and you know twelve overall. And we we talked about this on the uh, Go Birds uh, radio show, and I think on the preview pod too. But this defense at home, like. I guess maybe you could argue going into Minnesota against that defense is up there, but I don't know if there's a tougher defense in the league to play than the Eagles defense at Lincoln Financial Field. When when you look at in their last eleven games, they've only given up more than twelve points three times. I mean, they're hold they're holding teams consistently to, to single digits here. And, you know, we talk about the flags and how the NFL wants to be more points. It's even harder to do now. So the fact that they're doing this and especially last night when the offense is putting them in tough spots, uh, it's extremely impressive. And I always think about that, too. And uh, Rube had, a, 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 as he always does, had a great stat. I think <laughs> since um, the 1988 Bears, who had the same similar streak, that's the only other team in NFL history that right. has done that homestand, uh, as the Eagles have been doing, too. And I always think about old conversations with the old heads in football. Seth Joyner talks about it all, all the time. Tweets, ta- a, tweets about, tweets it, a about lot. it a lot too. <laughs> I talked to I Grease about it. I talked to a bunch of other, you know, former players in a different era, and they always say it's like, well, it's so much easier to score points now, and mm-hmm. you can't touch the quarterback and can't do all these other different things. And it's kind of the the scenario when people use uh, steroids in baseball. So you know, if they're cheaters, then th- does that mean that those pitchers were the greatest during that era, or were they taking them too? But I. I I think of that even now, like this Eagles defense and what they're able to do at home against, you know, the new era passing NFL offense. Does that mean that they are even better from eras past and and things like that? And they've well, uh, you're, you're convincing me game by game every time that they come out there that this is this isn't just like a, a really good defense that has the potential to still be. Uh, really special, especially with the the secondary and the way they played last night. Well, and I think too when you talk about different eras in the NFL, and you know which which defenses would be successful when, which offenses would work, and all that stuff. The one thing the Eagles defense has that would work against any team in the history of the NFL any Sunday is that defensive line. I mean, you know, you can talk all you want about the way the game has changed. The fact that the Eagles are able to dominate. The, the line of scrimmage each and every week. And this is why I thought they would win, both when you and James were hating and picked them to lose. But, I mean, every <laughs> Gotta week... Got to continue it on throughout the season now. Every I mean, week... They, well, it'll be easy against the Bucks next yeah, week. Yeah. But uh, every week this team goes into a game, they know they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. And that starts on, you know, on the defensive side of the ball with Fletcher Cox. Uh, sometimes, you know, and especially live, but in general, I think it's tough to, you know, it's easy to look at the receivers and the corners and the outside of the ball, right? The outside of the field. I mean, it's not often a defensive tackle, like, pops out on tape to me the way Fletcher Cox did last night. Like, dominating his matchup just all over Matt Ryan. I mean, you know, we'll talk about that fourth down, that uh, goal line stand at the end of the game, and we'll talk about Ronald Darby and that. Fletcher Cox basically killed an entire down by himself when he pushed Matt Ryan back, and Ryan just kind of flinged the ball. Um so yeah, it was it was amazing. To, well, and the to other see thing about Fletch in that when he read that screen for, off of Devontae Freeman yep. and, and just you don't guys that big 
shouldn't be able to stop on a dime like that laterally and yeah. just set the edge on his own and then force a guy to come back and here's the rest and of just the crew like shuffle for back and forth like 300 just, pounds just shuffling God, back and forth dang. on those feet and thank god i keep thinking this too thank god that they got him that 100 million when they did because if he slipped into this detackle uh, market right now Good Lord. There yeah. would be so many debates on the waste where you got to pay Carson Wentz at some point. There's no way you can keep both or whatever. But Fletcher, and this is kind of all the things we talked about. I was so happy, most of them, except for Trey Sullivan. That's uh, Let's not go back into those I don't know if the Trey Sullivan era is long. <laughs> is, did, did anyone explain that, you know, because there were a lot of people debating uh, 54 and the Falcons, you know, pushed him in right. or whatever, but he was engaging. It was weird. Did anybody say anything Doug, about it in Doug the locker room? Doug didn't talk about no? it today. I mean, he didn't, again, when he was talking about the flags, and I know there was no flag on, on that play, but he didn't bring up, you know, that moment specifically. But here's the thing I would say about that. Yes, like you, you can certainly make the argument that the Falcons guy kind of grabbed him and pushed him, but like Trey Sullivan needs to just get away from that. You know, like nope. Even though he he was potentially pushed in, like you just have to get away from the football and just know that that's you know that's what you do there. So the fact that like when I saw the play initially on the replay, to me it looked like he was like almost trying to fight the guy, like he was like continuing yeah. to push through. But uh, I mean that's that's a brutal mistake for Trey Sullivan because uh, as of Friday, the Eagles have two players coming off the suspended list with Nigel and um, the corner the uh, safety they traded. Um, from Chicago, DeAndre Hall. So I would think that... See ya! Yeah, I mean, Trey <laughs> Sullivan was probably going to be gone anyway, which is a shame because I think he does have potential and he's had a good camp. But after last night, it's just the easy excuse to kind of... Yeah, it's so weird because... And maybe you, you saw this differently in, in training camp and the OTAs and things, but he really looked improved to me. Like, yeah. And the coverage skills were a lot better and you're going, okay. And then all of a sudden, once he gets on the field, the lights seem to turn off and... And that was it. And maybe that's part of the bringing well, Hall in here. And the interesting thing about like covering the team and talking to the coaches um, when you're, you're you're interviewing them is you always have to ask yourself like, are they bullshitting me? And like nine <laughs> out of ten times, like it is bullshit, right? Like their job is to not ruffle the feathers, compliment their players. You know, sometimes send a message, but for the most part, when you're talking to them, the answers are canned, and that that's just their job, right? So with that being said. When you talk to them this past offseason, they complimented Trey Sullivan a lot. They mentioned how improved he was. Uh, safeties coach Tim Hawk said, you know, he was one of the most improved players he's seen on the entire team over the last year. Uh, Corey Unlin, the secondary coach, was very complimentary. So on one hand, it did seem like he was kind of set for that role, but then you saw Corey Graham come in, and then if, if you're not going to be Corey Graham's role, you have to dominate special teams, and he didn't do that against the Falcons. You know what I want to ask you, too, is um, a lot of people were just – saying it was Derek Barnett played like shit last night and it wasn't really great and I didn't really see that live or rewatched it again I still didn't see a ton of mistakes I mean yeah the offsides penalties well were you're not kind of brushing over yeah I mean but, the two biggest mistakes I mean those, yeah. the, you know, they both come on third down they both come in big spots that it was pretty bad but I would agree with you at least where I think you were going with this I didn't see a lot of plays where I was like oh that's that's a rough yeah. one for him I mean he maybe didn't get the pressure you would have liked to seen but uh now that I mean but the penalties were, were really bad uh, and what else stood out to you last night and or or just anything from uh, the past 24 hours here as we've yeah. uh, you know there's a, there's a lot of a lot of it's it's crazy how it didn't feel and me and James were saying this like leading up to the game didn't feel like there was a game happening and then all of a sudden once the first kickoff came the juice just kind of well, came back for so, everybody so I get in the stadium 
at kickoff was well supposed to be at like eight twenty. I get down to the link at like four o'clock. So I'm there really early, four and a half hours early. First of all, it's already a zoo outside, right? Like the the turn when you kind of go uh, when you're making that right around Xfinity to go down towards where the parking is. It took it took me like I don't know thirty minutes. I mean, so people were there early. The mood was rocking. Um, you could really feel like the event of the night. That rain though, like it it took a considerable like dip in the mood there. I mean, everyone had to leave then people come back in. The warm up was weird. I thought the ceremony, like, I don't know if they had more planned. They definitely or, had more planned. <laughs> you would hope, right? Yeah. Cause like, it's the first time in franchise history of all off season to plan it. And you came up with Brian Hawkins and the fight song. So my theory is, is that they went, Right to the closer. Oops, as I'm smacking my microphone. Yeah, then just like, hey, we don't have enough time. Just go to Dawkins. He'll get everybody right. fired which is, up. Which is a shame. But um, I just thought the mood before the rain and after the rain was so different. And I think you saw that in the field. And I tweeted about it. I wrote about it. But like that Philly special 2.0 call was, <laughs> it, it just highlighted that this is why Doug is the best play caller in the NFL right now. And this is why we joke about emotional intelligence, but he has such a good combination of the X's and O's and his decisions make sense from a football perspective, but he allows emotion to get involved. And he talked about that um, on Friday and, you know, his day after press conference, he said, you know, when I, when I called that play, there, there were the X's no reasons. He was, you know, he saw something in the defense he liked, but he also knew his team needed a spark. And talking to the players after the game, they they said that. Jenkins said it. Lane Johnson said it. Uh, you know, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Nick Foles. It really kind of got this team going for really the first time since before the rain because it was so flat. There were so many flags. They weren't scoring. It was a defensive battle, which doesn't always kind of get people going. Um, but that play, I mean, if he doesn't call that, and not to mention if it doesn't work because – uh, picture this. Picture he calls that play. Uh, it either gets blown up or Foles drops it. And what are we talking about today? Oh yeah, like right. Like how could you tarnish the Philly special? Like you blah. can't run it again. Right. You can yeah. never run it again. You ran it and but like that. That is the headline, right? So it was a gutsy call. It was a perfect call at the perfect time. And they don't win that game if he doesn't call that play. Yeah, and that was and partly because of Nick Foles' performance as well. And that was well. I want to get into Foles in a, in a second, but what you have to do right now is sign up with me and pretty much everybody else that's on the podcast at DraftKings.com. Your leader in one-week fantasy has returned. Now, I know we've all done our, our in-season drafts and we're feeling good about it and whatever, but the thing about DraftKings that makes it so much fun is it changes from week to week. You're not stuck with the same lineup. You're not aggravated afterwards, and you can just get right back in there and do it again the following week and what they're doing to celebrate the opening of week one in the NFL. They are hosting a free team pick em promo this weekend. And all you have to do is go download the app or just head to DraftKings.com now and use go birds as the promo code. That's promo code go birds. And then you just have to pick half of the winning teams correctly. And you're going to win a share of a million dollars. One million dollars. That's code GOBIRDS only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Pick'em for details. And let me tell you, it's a lot easier to pick wins and losses without the spread than trying to see who is going to come out uh, swinging. So the, the team Pick'em thing is is a lot of fun. All right, let's get into Foles for a second. Uh, you know, I know that they say in you know preseason doesn't really matter, but... The same kind of stuff showed, like the reps. It's not just him, too. I mean, the offense, and mm-hmm. I really think that uh, the difference between Doug first half and second half is 
um, you you have got a completely new personnel group yeah, he went playing to in your wide receiving core. Well, he also yeah. went to the 12 personnel a lot more in the second half, um, which made sense because you want Goddard and, and Ertz out there. Doug Doug said that, you know, I think in a, in a few weeks, maybe not even that long, but sooner rather than later, you will start to see more Goddard on the field. But last night, his first game, I think Doug didn't feel really confident putting him out there for you know, 30, 40 snaps or whatever it would have been. But, yeah, I mean, they went I mean, to- that almost touchdown pass, I would have put him out there maybe, Ooh, <laughs> maybe that, a little and, more than that. God. And that play, man, like, he got so high up in the air to make that, and you could really see his catch radius. Like, the Falcons defender had no shot. It was None. the sideline that stopped that pass. Um, but, you know, pretty good throw by Foles. I mean, maybe you want to see it a little more inside just so he has a better shot there. But, uh, yeah, no, Goddard, Goddard's going to be a problem for opposing defenses. But, you know, going to that 12 personnel, even for as limited as they did, uh, you could see it. I mean, when they came out in the third the third quarter, they moved the ball better. And to me, just like I was sitting there watching the first quarter, and it really stood out today when I rewatched it. Darren Sproles and Corey Clement, uh, outside of that one run Clement had, they just don't look like the same caliber of running back, or at least didn't on last night, as Jay Ajayi. Like, Jay Ajayi was bouncing off people. It seemed like he had more pep in his step. He was really kind of making things happen where I thought Sproles and Clement were not that great in the run game. Even though I thought there were some holes there, they just didn't make the most of them. Yeah, and the offensive line didn't really mesh uh, that well to to break open a ton of big holes, and I know that's a, kind of a tough ass to do anyway from a... a a play-by-play basis, but just a lot of a lot of squishiness in there. You know, some of their footwork wasn't the first and second steps yeah. were all over the place. Even like you said, you know, Corey Clement had like that fake juke uh, right. for no apparent reason early on in the game, and you know, a lot of running into your linemen. Um, that's uh, yeah, yeah, there's just rust there. I, I, you can just see it, and it's not it's well, not great, well, and it's me, not you know. Let me ask you though, like how much is rust and how much is personnel? Because I remember, oh no, it's both. Well, yeah. When we were watch, when we were uh, you know watching the Cleveland Browns preseason game and they were terrible in that I remember a lot of people tweeting me and just talking to different people saying oh well don't worry because like this isn't the Eagles team you're going to see they're just missing the ones right yeah well they still are well but also like you know oh it's preseason the play calling's vanilla like and there was some truth to that but man for the first two quarters they certainly looked a lot like that team that was uh, you know playing Cleveland you got the you had DeAndre Carter out there and Nick for How many snaps? 35, 40 snaps? That's way too much, DeAndre Carter. I was thinking 5 and 10, like we said. Although, uh, he did have a catch, which is more than Mike Wallace can say, if I remember correctly. That's right. right. I I think what they combined for one catch for 11 yards. uh, Receivers did not help Foles out at all. Aguilar had a good game. Ertz had two drops, which is pretty uncharacteristic for him. But even though Foles didn't get that help, he was so bad last night. He was. He was like... To the point where I'm I'm not gonna drop the Nate Sudfeld take, but like to everyone out there saying that Sudfeld couldn't do what Foles did, that is inaccurate. Sudfeld could do what Foles did last night because Foles was terrible last night. He could have easily had three interceptions. He missed guys all over the field. And like some of the decisions he made, I was just watching him thinking, like, is this your first NFL game? Like, where's the guy that was in the Super Bowl out dueling Tom Brady? Like, Foles has that in him. And I know that consistency is his biggest flaw as a quarterback, but to me, Yes, he get he get he got the win. You don't give a guy a new contract, a thirteen million dollar cap hit. You don't turn down. You know we can debate whether that number thirty five overall pick was true or not. It was. You, you don't. And it was higher, by the way. <laughs> so you 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 don't turn down the kind of draft capital that the Browns or any other team are willing to offer for that kind of performance. Like you could have had any multiple backup quarterbacks around the league could have played like Foles did last night. So I thought, if you're the Eagles, you have to think like, man, we invested in you. We really trusted you to kind of be a better player. And he 
just choked. He did not play well on the biggest stage. They won despite Nick Foles. They did not win because of him. And that's the thing I've been saying all offseason, too. It's just, you know, um, what are you going to do? They won a Super Bowl and all that yet. But that's, <laughs> I love how we just gloss over that. But that's always yeah. just the line that everybody says. Right. And I even say that just so people don't say it back to me. Yep, 100%. And the only reason why is just he's not that good of a quarter. He just really isn't. He, yeah. And, and I wish people would just accept that he just turned it on when he absolutely needed to. Mm. And it worked. And to me, that just almost amplified how good Doug Peterson, DiFilippo, and Frank Reich were during that entire run during the playoffs to get him to do that, to make him feel comfortable, to turn the lights on. Nick did it too, but it's it's I think it is male practice almost not to move that guy. Well, you know? I, yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't here for all your takes in the offseason, but right. it sounds like you were pretty firm in that camp. Oh, yeah. And I could have seen both sides, honestly, because I think the Eagles are a win-now team. So, you know, in the long run, are they better set up without, you know, with having an extra second than Foles? Yeah, but this year they're not as good. Unless you think Nate Sudfeld, and I think Sudfeld's pretty close to ready. But um, yeah, no, no, Foles was not good. And to me, what stood out was, I, like I said, I think Doug Peterson's maybe the best play caller in the league. Every head coach, especially at the quarterback position, needs someone that can bail them out every once in a while. And last season, Wentz did such a phenomenal job on third down of the times where you know either Peterson had a bad play or something wasn't there of just creating and Foles is not capable of doing that he can get he can take what's there if it's a short pass I mean it looked like the Sam Bradford offense at points last night like dinking and dunking to Sproles third and nine they're throwing it to Sproles four yards from the line of scrimmage It, it was ugly and that's why yeah with with Doug and Nick can this team let's just say theoretically Doug I mean uh Nick played all 16 games could they win nine, ten games? Like maybe, but you're you're not the same team you are without Wentz, and that sounds obvious to say. But I think there's a, a section of the fan base that feels okay. They'll be fine with Foles. Like you'll be fine, like in the way you were last night, where your defense has to be phenomenal. You have to be basically perfect to even keep the game close. And in the long run, like again, is is Foles? What's he going to do against Tampa? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, and uh, it's. Tampa is not a great football team, but they also have, well, at least on paper, they don't look like a great football team. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's dark, and I think he's terrible too, but they still have a lot of t- talent on defense, uh, and they they can they have weapons that um, I think the, the, the Eagles defense can manage, shut down, however you want to phrase that. But, yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to be able to go in, into Tampa and score more than – and, and 18 points. And you that's know? why last night was such a big win. I mean, it was it was a huge one on a number of levels. And it's a, it's a win that come December when we're recording this podcast, we'll say things like, man, it's a good thing they won that week one game. Because when we're talking about, you know, first seed, second seed, playoff seeding, that type of thing, this is going to end up being a very big win for, for a number of reasons. But the other reason it's a big win is because heading to Tampa, for all the reasons you just said, is it's not a tough game. But the Eagles' defense is not as good on the road as it is at home, or at least it hasn't been for a while. And in a weird way, I would almost rather face Ryan Fitzpatrick than Jameis Winston. I think Winston has a higher ceiling, but there's something about Winston. I mean, he's just so reckless. And not that Ryan Fitzpatrick good, but you know, Mike Evans is going to have a big size advantage. Deshaun isn't really the player he used to be, but you know, he's still a guy you have to worry about speed. down the field. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's a game that they'll. I'm going to pick them to win it. I think they will win, but. You know, if they lose to the Falcons, you go into this Tampa game with a ton of pressure. Like you have to win that game. So that just another reason it was uh, 
it was a big win by them. Oh, certainly. And um, the, you know, I was I was just thinking too because uh, Doug was asked so many times about Philly, Philly, and and all of that during. Uh, is there what is the worst questions to ask during a press conference? Because <laughs> I was talking to Big Daddy Graham with it last night too, and he just goes, John. If you ever <laughs> if you ever ask about character in a press conference room, you're an idiot. Like, what are they going to say? No, it it they, this team has no character. Right. What, what, the the what, questions like, you know, uh, you know, how much heart did your team show last night, or how amped lot, up? A lot are, of heart. Yeah. Or this is my other favorite one. Like, Doug, you know, it's going to be a big game on Sunday. How amped up is this crowd going to be? Like, what, what do you think he's going to say? Like, I don't know. We'll see. You know, like, of course, you know what he's going to say, but. The questions on Monday uh, from our own Howard Eskin, the uh, Howard, the goat, right, yes. the king. Um, you know, trying to make, break down the terminology between Philly, Philly, and Philly special. I think between like the, the game last night, the questions today, the specials on uh, Wednesday were, were excellent by the NFL Network. I've like seen that Philly special and heard the word Philly special more in the last three days than I think anyone should should. Yeah, I'm ready that. to retire that. Yeah, well, more well, so. Doug than Doug apparently isn't. <laughs> Doug, Doug. Oh, okay. D- Doug apparently isn't though. I guess. Yeah, and he uh, he never will be. Also, a spicy take. Uh, Ooh, spicy. Not for me, but I don't know if you saw um, Jack McCaffrey, who I get along with. Oh, like, Jack. He uh, he asked Doug last night, "Is he putting Foles in harm's way by running this play too much?" Oh my God! What it's do you? A, it's a good, there's nobody. You know, there's nobody on him. Tw- you know, as a as a takes <laughs> as a takesman myself, that's quite the uh, that's quite the angle to take, right? Like, Man. let's. Uh, I think we got to get uh, Jack Fritz on the scene for that one too. We got to get boy, you on the kind of Cal- podcast. What a podcast, by the way. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it? It, it really is. And, you know, I've listened to you guys before. And, uh, you know, actually, I'm not going to say nice things about Jack. No, I'm not. You know what? He, <laughs> he, 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 already has his, he already has his own fan club on Twitter and all that. But uh, Yeah, yeah, we fu- got, yeah. We'll, we'll get you in the trust tree for sure. So. Well, I, well, I don't even know what the trust tree is, well, but I know I want in. That's the only thing I know. The trust tree is where you can just come in and you can just share things and everybody's not going to judge you based on I think I need that in my life. Yeah, you yeah. do. The trust I mean, tree is I've a had some bad place. takes. <laughs> we are, and the thing is, we all have, right. certainly. So, uh, uh, well, well, One last thing before we get going, because then we have to wrap up here. Yeah. So another thing that really stuck out to me last night, and I'm happy I'm recording with you because a year ago... A little over a year ago, me and you talked about this on, uh, you know, on the radio. But well, that was I was. You're, I think you're leading right into what. Uh, okay, good. What, what's happening here? Yeah, my boy Ronald Darby. <laughs> that, <laughs> that you were He's uh, back. Yeah, that that you know John was. You know, obviously John hated the trade. Yeah, I was I was way against should, the trade. Should have thought they kept Jordan Matthews. Man. And tried to tell him at the time. You, you know, you trade for elite young corners. You, you take a bet on the guy like that. No, but <laughs> hey, man, Ronald Darby last night was in. With how much they gave up to Julio, it's hard to say any of the quarterbacks, I mean, the cornerbacks were elite, but he was unreal. Like his ability to break on the ball, uh, I mean, even just, you know, something that sounds simple like, oh, single coverage versus Julio, that's really hard to do. Yes. In that spot, I mean, and he, he played it perfectly. Like the throw wasn't great from Ryan, but Darby did such a good job of forcing Julio to the sideline where he didn't have a lot of, lot of um, room to work with. But yeah, Darby, uh, Darby was great last night, and it really made you, you know, not to look too far ahead, but this guy's going to get paid. Yes, and paid. Uh, he should get paid right here, as I've been saying for the last few weeks now, because it's he. I don't understand why people want to get rid of talent based on, oh man, you know, he's going to make eight million dollars a year or right. nine million dollars a year. Like, yes, good, he should be. He <laughs> should be making that money if that's what you're going to do. I keep fantasizing about him and Sidney Jones. 
um, you know, on the outside. And again, I know that puts Jalen in a weird spot. Yeah, you're, and you're coming at my boy Jalen a little hard. Listen, that that. Well, the that other sluggo. thing about Darby is uh, <laughs> not Sluggo. The comeback to the go route was, yeah, it was, it was not good. Yeah. He got lucky there. But thing about Darby is, as as a person, so he comes in last year, he gets traded, you know, midway through training camp, and. The Eagles cornerback room is like extremely tight. They're all good friends. They're all like very similar personalities in a way. I mean, they have some differences, but you know, they they all like the same type of music. Like you can always just see them really bonding. And Darby, from what I've like heard and you know, from my interaction with him, he can be like kind of shy sometimes. So I think it took him like, I don't want to say midway through the season, but a little bit to kind of get into the groove. But now that I think he's had that offseason, he's tight with everyone, his personality is showing so much more, he just looks so much more confident out there. And obviously the fact his ankle isn't broken helps. Yeah, but like, I still replay that in my mind every that five was, seconds. That was I don't know how he's still walking. Yeah, But man, I just think this guy is set for such a huge season and my mentions will suffer because of it. But you know what? If it's if it's for the good of uh, Ronald Darby, I'm fine with that. Yeah, and uh, the only thing, I'll, last thing I'll note is um, this, this offense severely does miss Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, because I'm saying yeah. it, I'm saying it in terms of one, it was it was an obvious security blanket for Foles during you know playoff run, right? Um, yeah, no, that's a good point. And I would also say that all of the things leading up to to 2017 and the questioning of Zach Ertz, it kind of forced him into that. Well, you you got to be the guy again tonight, right. and I don't know not if that great. had anything to do with it. But again, not great. I think Alshon moves this offense. A lot. Uh, I know we said that throughout the course of the last year through post games and pre games and everything else. But Alshon Jeffrey yeah. to me does, even if he's not producing those huge numbers, moves the offense. Yeah, they're they're a better offense without with Alshon out there. But I to me the the biggest just glaring takeaway was that this team needs Carson Wentz back. And I'm yes. not saying that means you rush him. I'm not saying any of that. But man, like the difference between Carson and Nick as quarterbacks is just night and day. So yeah, they do miss Alshon. But I think do you hear that PFF? You see that it's not just a system quarterback. Okay, I just whoever that, that dude up. from the Packers was who said they should consider trading him or the <laughs> oh, former that's, Packer that's, that's uh, right on Fox Sports. Pinga or whatever his name was. <laughs> Oh, how silly his take! Hey, man, now. I love takes. No, no shot yeah. to him, but man, that was a that was a doozy. That was a doozy, uh, and uh, hopefully there'll be more doozies right here on this uh, podcast as the first episode of Around the Locker Room with Elliot Shore Parks. Appreciate it, buddy. This is uh, this is going to be a, little, a fun little extension of the post game show. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I miss James a little. You know. Yeah, we yeah, always do. We always miss. We're going to go but, see him in a second. Yeah, but no, I had a great time. I look forward <laughs> to doing this, and uh, also just like tweet us questions. You yeah. Know? Um, if there's something you want me to ask a player, like I think what I want to do with this this portion of the podcast for the Go uh, Birds Network is like, let me be your tie to locker. If there's something you want me to ask somebody, tweet me and let me know. If there's a certain thing you want me to chase down. Like I'm in the locker room every day. I, you know, I know the players. So just tweet me and uh, I'll try to make it happen. At Elliot Shore Parks, I'm John Barchard. This has been Around the Locker Room right here on the Go Birds Network, part of radio.com and sports radio 94 WIP.